guys, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike, and joining me as always... Hey guys, Brian. And we have another episode for you guys, a continuation of our last episode. Uh, Brian, what are we watching tonight? So, we just saw Lars von Trier's The House That Jack Built. And for everyone that was listening, uh, I had seen this movie already. The That episode should be up by the time this one's out. I saw that with my good buddy, Will, who I want to have on the show uh, for future episodes and discussions. But we had seen the film in Center City, Philadelphia. I was pretty excited to hear about this, mostly through Brian. I was been introduced through Von Trier, and we can get into that as well in this discussion, uh, through Brian, and unfortunately you couldn't make it because of your, your finals and stuff like that, but I had seen the film and said we we need you to see this, so Brian, what, why don't we give a little background about House That Jack Built, and then we can get into Von Trier, but how did you hear about the house that Jack built and what were your thoughts and if you were you excited going into this? So I am, I've been, I, <clears throat> so I equate my Lars von Trier and also just like film appreciation in general kind of started with von Trier and um, uh, like a little bit of Kurosawa and, and Leone, pretty much senior year of high school and then into freshman year when I just had a lot of time on my hands and I was just kind of delving into a bunch of different films and I remember the first film that I saw of Lars von Schiers was Antichrist. And that is not the first movie you should start with his, uh, for those that have seen it. It's definitely, like, one of his more heavier films. Not heavier, but more of, like, the things that people don't like about him start in this movie, pretty much. Um, even though Antichrist is, like, a, is an amazing film in its own right, I still finished it. I just didn't understand what was going on. Or I didn't even, I didn't even really appreciate what he was trying to do because I didn't know who Lars von Trier was at the time. So then since then, I kind of just started to slowly, really, you know, get more educated about him. And now up to this point, that was about mm, five years ago, I've seen almost all of his film canon. Um, and re- and I d- even I've written a few reports on him about like his the Dogma ninety five movement and stuff like that, which we actually will definitely talk about um, in this assessment. You know, I've seen Dance in the Dark; it's one of my favorite films of all time. Um, his Depression trilogy, his Golden Heart trilogy, um, the the his unfinished American like American trilogy, which was like Manderley and Dogville. I've seen all of those. Um, so I come at it as as the Lars von Trier fan. So I so I heard of it, even though I. I, disclaimer, I kind of think he's an awful person, an awful human being, but he makes good films, and so that's kind of what we're gauging it on, so, but yeah, going back to how I first heard about this, that he made an announcement a while ago, where he went in front of the camera, basically said, I'm making this film, it's not going to be a TV show anymore, and, and then he just walked off, um, and that, and then, so then, since then, I was kind of just trying, I was keeping my, you know, ear to the ground trying to figure out, you know, when, when was this, when was this film being made, like, uh, who was, who was going to be in it, stuff like that, and also the stills, and the nine minutes, and the trailers, and stuff that had been released, I, I was definitely one of the first people to be seeing those, or trying to keep my eye out for them. Yeah, and I was, I mean, like I said, I've been exposed to Von Trier because of you, uh, I, actually, Will and I were talking about it, we were, the, I'm the casual Von Trier, I guess, moviegoer, and Will is even more casual than I am. And I've seen a handful. I've seen probably half of his films, but definitely not all of them. I guess the more contemporary stuff, besides Dancer in the Dark. And, yeah, I'm, like, pretty hit or miss. I like, I don't know, he's... I don't really know how I feel about him, because I think I've been more... I've been really only exploring his contemporary stuff that's really polarizing... And I think even in his more contemporary stuff, like objectively, he is like a cinematic genius. Um, I don't like *Nymphomaniac*, but there are good things in that film that I think add to like cinema as a whole. But but even like even just talking about *Melancholia* and *Antichrist*, those are just phenomenal films. So, well, I'll I'll get around to those eventually. Um, I I definitely you know I've recognized them and I've seen you know some moments from both but yeah so i was i heard about this through you i think you like texted me when it was announced i was like oh that's gonna be sweet and i think it was so it was so far back when it was still we thought it was still gonna be a tv show which i have comments about that which i i'm gonna repeat a lot of what i said from the other night into here for you and then i'll just see how you respond to it but um 
and then it was going to be a film and I heard and I saw all these press interviews with him Matt Dillon and Uma Thurman and and then this was a big thing because this is going to be the first film since in Cannes since his ban had been lifted from yeah, his after his, Melancholia after Melancholia and his Nazi sympathetic comments which you know he's a he's a person of uh of great controversy in his films and in real life but so I was more excited because I knew well because it was a serial killer von uh Lars von Trier film which you know intrigued me and so then the film came out well I we didn't <coughs> see the uh unre- uh unrated version that was uh IFC had released and I think they're currently trying to be sued by the NPAA and yeah, I mean, whatever. I don't. Really I think care because they didn't. I think because they didn't fill out the paperwork, basically saying like, whatever was in this film or something. It was. It, I think it's honestly just like a stunt. That no, I do, and and I have a comment about that later on. But so I we didn't see it the unrated just because it was one night only, and that was we're both in school and studying. Trump's a hobby. So I was like, it's going to be wide released. I'll just see the rated, the rated R cut, like the theatrical cut. Maybe one day I'll see it, the unrated cut. And I and I want to because I'm very curious as to what was added, at or what was shown that wasn't in the theatrical cut. But um, and you and you probably have a better idea because you've seen the un like the director's cuts of Nymphomaniac and unfortunately how fucked up, how fucked up that if, stuff. Yeah, be. I would strongly advise people not to do that. But. So. Uh, but yeah, I think we should just get right into the movie. So Brian, I want to ask you, because ultimately this was the question that Will and I thought was a detriment to the film. What do you think the house that Jack built was about? What did it live up to? You? Did you did it live up to you? Well, first off, what do you think it was about, and did it live up to what you thought the movie was going to be about? So like, there. So going into it, I thought it was just going to be about, like, the depraved humanity, or the depravity of humanity, and Lars Vrenshier kind of just, like, going off on tangents about how messed up the world is, and I was partly right in that aspect, but also, um, I, I knew, like, the art came into it, but I didn't really know how, but now after seeing the film, this, I I think the interpretation is that this is Lars von Trier just talking about, like, this film is a microcosm for how... Lars von Trier, you know, synthesizes and approaches, like, his films and art, and also how much of a bloated ego he has, and how he literally thinks he is God. Yeah, and I I have to agree, because going into the film, I thought this was going to be more of a traditional, like, serial killer film with his commentary on whatever he feels like talking about, and that interested me because of, you know, he's a very controversial figure figure that says some really very lured things and very, like, very out there and outlandish and brash things. And so I was very interested to see what he had to say. But then going into it, and this was kind of the problem that Will and I had with this movie. We're like, we can't tell what this movie's about. And I was like, Will, tell me what this movie's about. He's like, you know what, man, I really am having a hard time. Um, well, I think I think like synthesizing an answer. Yeah, I think to me, having seen a lot of Lars von Lars von Trier films, I think for me it was pretty self-evident what he was trying to do. At least in terms of my own interpretation, that's the beauty of like film is that you have your own what you think of what he was trying to say. But for me personally, it was definitely how he personally views art and his and films, and in more particular, how he thinks he's like adding to cinema or. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and and I went more the route that this is like uh, uh, kind of what you're saying, but this is more, I don't want to say autobiographical, because I, I too was having a lots of trouble figuring out what the movie's about, because there's so much shit going on in every... Yeah, that's the thing. It's, every it's, chapter it's really sloppy. Film. It's really sloppy and, in that way, because it's not just about how he feels about film. It's I think he also is trying to make like a greater commentary on on the depravity of human nature and blah blah blah, you know, that that like doesn't you can't really can't make a it's, the movie's not about that if there's just like two, one or two scenes that are just that kind of accentuate that. Will actually had a very good point in that he felt like it was like an intro college course. When you first like you feel like when you when you're just getting into like the meat of a subject, you have to change topics yeah. because 
the curriculum has to keep moving forward. And so in this case, like every time you feel like you're getting into something, like, okay, yeah, there's some substance here, it moves on. That's to actually a another... really good observation, a really good analogy. Yeah. Yeah, because we both were just like, so this is chapter one, this is what he's focusing here, this is chapter two, this is chapter three, this is chapter four, five, and then the epilogue. And we were saying that But there are like this sub chapters why, in well, the this chapters. Well this is why I think this is why I think it should have been a mini series, because you could have had the overarching plot or plot or symbolism of Lars von Trier and how he views his work and his and his lifestyle and whatever but then have these very isolated like subplots that kind of feed into this in their own way but ultimately it's building to something where here it's just very sloppily put together and nothing's really explored very well in my opinion so and I think that's the problem I was having with this film is that it's sloppy and he doesn't he doesn't pick one theme to really explore, he picks like five or six different things no, he I th- wants to well, talk about. I think about. he, I think he chooses one theme to explore in depth. But then the problem is there are like three other sub things he wants to talk about. I think the movie is ultimately about his filmmaking process and how he feels about film and 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 his films. But then, but then he just goes off the rails with where someone should have said like, no, you don't need to talk about your films and and art. And the depravity of human nature, and you know, death, and what, what, who's God, and religion, you know, like these little, there are these little tangents that are just, yeah, they're like a college course. They're their own little discussions in and of itself, but the movie just keeps going on. All right, so I guess we should try and, uh, I guess make sense of this movie and try picking it apart. Well, first off, what are your first impressions and general thoughts of the movie? Uh, so. I liked it. Uh, I liked it more than I thought I would. I, I honestly wasn't sure if I was going to like it or not, just because I honestly think Lars von Trier is really going off the deep end more recently. What, and... I also was texting you during the movie like, dude, I don't know. Like, I'm not liking this. I, I like it. I liked it, and and because I think because I'm more used to him, but also um, I, I'm trying to like put it into words. I mean, I liked it. Um, I liked it more than Nymphomaniac, 100%. Um, there was also... Oh, also, I wasn't nearly as disturbed as I thought I was going to be. I literally thought I was going to be profoundly disturbed after watching this movie. Now, I guess that's because we saw the edited version and this wasn't, you know, quote, his... What he wanted us to see. You know, because um, when I saw the uh, Nymphomaniac director's cut, I mean, that was, that was just, it was a little more, you know, candid, and they'd show more sexual imagery and stuff, and I think there was one scene, though, in particular, in part two, that, I, I still haven't finished part two because of that one scene, I don't even want to describe it, um, it was just too graphic for me, and something that, it, it both, it both amazes me, but also disgusts me, because, like, I've never really had a film do that before, besides Hereditary, where I just had like such a gut reaction where I just couldn't watch the screen anymore, and it, it, so so and and even then when I turned it off the first time and then I said ah maybe I'll give it a shot it's been like two years I got to that exact part and I said nah I can't do it so even then I've never finished the director's cut of Nymphomaniac Part Two, um, so I again that's just going back to the point of I'm not sure. If if like that, if my assessment of I'm not profoundly you know disturbed is an accurate one, I have a feeling it wouldn't. It's not going to change. It would. I would just be a little more grossed out. But even then, even and that's a bigger commentary I think on the violence of the film, is that nothing really like upset me because I like I told you like during that one scene when the when during the second kill and like he drags the woman across the road and her like body's gone because it's just like it's just mush and i was just like oh like that's a that's a little disturbing but nothing i've seen worse in a saving private ryan film you know it's nothing i've seen worse significantly worse and even grosser stuff even in hereditary um but there was there was that one scene which i feel like you can talk about more with the child where it's more like unsettling yeah but even that's like i was gonna say like obviously from the first episode I didn't like this movie, and as I and that was three days ago, 
as I had time to synthesize the movie and th really think about it and kind of read some reviews, I was looking forward to watching with you. One, because I wanted to watch it with you. But two, I was like, you know, this can be a really interesting idea, having this as a... Like, per having Von Trier personify his own creative process and himself through a serial killer. I'm like, oh, that, that could be really interesting. And I found myself, like, okay, let's give it a second shot. Like, it's going to be weird if I sit down and completely have a 180 only three days later. Uh, I have not gone a 180, and I still think the same thing about the movie. But I... Th but you're right about the violence in that. I And this is what we said with Will. We weren't disturbed in the slightest. There was only, like, two images that I could really... That stuck with me. And one of them creeped me out. That was obviously that of the taxidermy child. Because it was, it was mutilation of something innocent. Going back to the tiger and the lamb idea that he proposes. And then, obviously, the house that Jack eventually builds. And I really liked that image... In that, you know, especially when you want to contextualize what it represents to Von Trier, and but yeah, like overall the violent, like yeah, it was very, it was violent, and I think it says something that we could watch a film where he violently chokes out a woman, a woman over a span of like three or four minutes, and she's not dead, and we're just like, eh, okay. I and I think that's, I think he's trying to get at something there, and he doesn't, he never calls out that specifically but one of the only things he doesn't just overtly mention but i think he is trying to get somewhere with that where we can just watch him murder someone and we just don't even care you know i don't know i think i think he was i don't know i, I don't get that because the film doesn't try and make me f feel bad for not responding to it and i think and that's just us personally like but, I'm but sure... there's but then there's that whole motif of like nobody cares nobody's gonna help you everyone you know what i mean I think you could make that it's a connection. It might be a loose one, but I think there is one there. That's like that might that probably just got was that was like a kernel in Von Trier's head and then he had so much more that he wanted to talk about, particularly himself, that he just forgot about it. Well, I guess, but I mean I can never really tell what he's trying to get at because there's that like and and there, we're going to be jumping around, but like there's that segment at like towards the end with the fourth incident where he goes, "Oh, what like Man, like the whole Me Too, his take on Me Too, I guess, where he's which just like, like when I was like, Eeh, and you were like, yeah, you just started laughing, you're like, yeah, like well, that's like, where oh, he's going right now. Guilty for because he's a man, and women are always the victims, but not the man. And then he proceeds to kill someone, and I was like, that, which that is Lars von Trier right there. He is an asshole, and like, I was just like, <laughs> I feel like that's like someone with clever writing could make that work and he didn't make it work it's just to me it's contradicting and it's loose i'm like okay like and he's and that's just the saying shit like he's not really it's not meaningful i think he's well, just saying stuff it's like it's like a kid who's just angry it's, it's literally just a childish person who's angry at because he's being viewed at because he because in his work he's viewed as miso like as misogynist and mistreatment of women in his films and this is his like I know you are, but what am I to me? I think, childish. Well, I think that whole scene, and that's the thing that you, like, I can't really peg down about Von Trier is that he is a, like, he is this, like, really wicked and, and like, dark and childish sense of humor that I can't, I, I, I think he's totally self-aware of that he is an asshole, and by writing this, like, women are, like, why are men always the guilty ones, like, why, why, and he's talking about, like, why am I always guilty of all this stuff, but in the same time, I'm going to say, why am I guilty as I'm, like, torturing Bjork on the set of Dance in the Dark? I'm, ma I'm, I'm making Natalie Portman's rape scene as more, as, uh, not, not Natalie Portman, sorry, um, in Manderley, uh, Nicole Kidman, her rape scene in that film, as uncomfortable as possible, not giving a shit about what she feels about the situation, putting your actors through hell, he 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 knows he's doing this, but just doesn't care, you know. And 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 I think it's totally a tongue-in-cheek thing with him. He thinks it's funny to say something like that, <laughs> and he just doesn't give a shit. And that's why he says like, "Oh, why well, I, I am a Nazi. I support Hitler. I understand, or not support, but he's like, I I understand I Hitler. Yeah. I say, and but he'll say that, and I honestly think he's like joking, but in at the same sense, he like is sincerely. He's just a nut. So. I think, and that's the thing, when you get those scenes where 
it's it, it you you say you kind of like take a step and you you cringe a little bit because he, he you can't tell what he's trying to like what his ulterior motive is you know yeah so let's uh we jumped ahead a little bit but let's start at the beginning of the film because immediately when I had seen this and 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 pretty much all of my um all of my sentiments are still the same immediately I thought this film had a really rough beginning in that we, yeah. It starts like it start, and this is how I thought. Then I'll ask you how it starts with black, and it's this narration, this dialogue between two unseen people, and immediately I'm like, I have no idea what they're saying because I'm trying to keep up with this. I, I don't know what like this discussion that is going nowhere. It's pointless, and then and then we get into this whole segment with Uma Thurman who is talking about like uh, essentially the scene is I, I don't know if it's jack's first kill or what it is it's definitely his first kill because it's like oh well you look like a serial killer this is what serial killers would do you're not a serial killer you're um you're a coward or like you're just too much of a wimp to do this and then he kills her and i was and then and that's and then that's the beginning and i was thinking oh my god one i immediately thought this is an unreliable narrator None of this is real, and uh, this is going to be a rough movie uh, because already I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. I didn't have a problem with it really at all. It was more of like I'm like, um, well, this is definitely his first kill because the first and second incidents, he's just we'll talk more about it. But it's like he's so awful at what he's doing, and like he can't he can't smooth talk. He's just he doesn't really know what he's doing when he's killing someone. Um, there's so much more room for him to grow as a serial killer that this is definitely his first kill. But in terms of, like, the dialogue and the interactions, it's so, like, sterile and so, uh, stilted. And it doesn't, it, I was like, this is not, obviously this is not how real people talk. So this is obviously some sort of, you know, dichotomy within, like, Jack's head or something, how he's, like, perceiving, like, this conversation. It's definitely not actually what's going on. In the, in the way that she keeps returning back to the serial killer conversation. Or, it's just Lars von Trier not being creative enough. But, I'll just give him, you know, the benefit of the doubt. And just because it's like, because even, even when, okay, so the tire breaks, the tire arm, or whatever. They go to the thing, get it fixed. And then it's like, she, first off, she's so pushy. Which I guess people exist like that. But then she returns to the serial killer conversation. I said that to her, I was like, oh, she's talking about this again? You know? Well, I didn't want, like, every time you you made a comment, I didn't want to say anything, but, like, the way that I took this, I was like, he's trying to be, like, Tarantino or a good, or another, or any other, like, like a Coen Brothers, in that they can write mundane dialogue in a very entertaining way, and Von Trier... I felt was trying to do that, and he utterly failed. Well, see, that's not... He's not even writing mundane dialogue. It's like pseudo-exposition. So it's like... It's it's being so obvious of what it's trying to say. It's not even, like, mundane. It's literally just spelling it out specifically, like, the, th- the themes. And this know? is the beginning of my problems with this movie in that it both tells you everything and nothing at the same time. Like, it spells out what he's trying to say, but it, he also tells you absolutely nothing while doing it. Like, yeah. he, he takes he takes the longest route to say something so simple and and non-complex. Like, I think he... I, I feel like Von Trier thinks that his ideas and the, that he's, like, bestowing upon us are, like, wholly original and unique to him. And in the end, I it boils down to, like, humans are brutal. You remember the brutality of human nature. And that goes into the whole icons later on in the film. And, and, like, people suck. And I was like, this isn't anything that... Like, you're telling me that artists, regardless of the medium, haven't explored this before? And that was why I started getting annoyed in the beginning... I was really like, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the first kill is just—it's literally just the setup to get him get the movie started, you know. Because the all these all the all these incidents are monumental moments in like his serial killer career. So that's just the start. Well, yeah, but I feel like this is the start. It's really self 
evident that he has no idea what he's doing, and this was kind of just like an impulsive thing. And so then I guess we get into the second incident where... Yep. Which I he, actually, I really like this sequence. Like eh, this whole scene. I, 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 I mean, well, because then he, he, he literally is so meta about the film too because he's like, well, all these women are so stupid and why are they like this and stuff like that. So that was my issue first seeing the scene. I'm like, what, is she really going to believe this? Why would anyone actually legitimately believe this? And then Lars von Trier pretty much just said, well, I'm intending for them to be stupid women, you know? So, that yeah, but all, all things considered, with that context, now that he said, like, yeah, I made them intentionally, you know, naive and really dumb... I like I like the scene too, it, but I, I do it, it. It demonstrates more of Jack's growth throughout the movie. Of, you know, he could barely he could he could barely get himself into like a woman's house to kill her, and at the end he's smooth talking the guy with the gun so he can like murder him. You know, it just shows the evolution of how far he's come. Yeah, I mean, I started seeing this as like this is when the like autobiographical aspect came in. Because from what I understand of Lars von Trier's, he has like lots of phobias. He has yeah. lo- he he has OCD. He has lots of problems with addiction, chronic depression, narcotics, alcoholic abuse. Yeah, um, and and and, and so that was the best part. Yeah, seeing it is because with, with the OCD stuff that was brilliantly done. Well, I said this with Will. Like now, I'm not diagnosed with OCD, and you know this about me. Like there are some ticks that I have that I I feel like it it has to be some sort of OCD. In that, it's it, and I said this with Will. It's locking the doors. It's fa- running faucets, making sure they're off, and the oven. The door I can explain because my apartment got robbed when I was while I was sleeping in it. With and my roommate, my roommate and I were home, and my apartment got broken into while we were sleeping. So like, there's this like phobia that someone's gonna break in. So I always double lock, like I always triple check the locks. And then, like, the faucets in the oven, like, I don't want my house to burn down, and I don't want, you know, water to pour out and destroy shit. It's completely irrational, but this depiction of OCD is almost exactly how I feel. And I think that this this also brings up, like, more interesting things about um, how La- Lars von Trier felt as a beginning filmmaker, in that, you know, his OCD was extremely strong. He had to keep, I guess he, I don't know about his early work. Maybe you can answer this, and maybe we'll get into the Dogma 95 movement, but maybe feeling like he had to follow these specific guidelines, and he couldn't, and he just kept going back and couldn't, you know, leave it. And and then we get that, um, later on, he even says, as I started killing more, my OCD diminished. So I took that as his early filmmaking really brought out his OCD, but then as he kept going on and on, like filmmaking was, I guess, therapeutic to him, as killing is therapeutic to Jack. So, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, the one thing that I, I'm confused about what the meaning of it is at the end of the segment is when he drags the body behind him. That's yeah, like that the one moment that I'm like, well, I don't understand this whole like buildup of this whole meticulous and it's genius of what he does. Like he kills the body, takes it out. Um, and then he has to keep going back in and cleaning the, like, has to fulfill the compulsion despite knowing that the police are coming. And then, and then he's afraid that he's, uh, going to be caught. So he kind of actively involves himself and he's like, you know, touching everything and, and like putting his prints all over the plate, all over the house, just, and with the cops seeing him just, uh, you know, kind of, I felt like he was covering his tracks, but then he leaves and he ties the body to the back of his truck and drags it leaving a blood trail now i don't i'm i'm and then the rain comes and washes it the blood trail away so i'm kind of i took that as like divine intervention for him to like get away with stuff but i'm kind of struggling well this is this is where lars von Trier's ego starts eking into the film for the first time because it's i think it's literally him saying lars von Trier as the as the creator of this film and the higher being is God. He said, even Jack was saying, I don't even know where this this rain came from, but it, it was like my deus ex machina. He didn't say that, but that's what it was. It just, this like torrential downpour was nothing, it was just from God. And who is God in, in of a film? <laughs> the director. Who is the director? Lars von Trier. I think that's literally Lars von Trier saying he is God. Or he is a God, you know? Yeah. Which then goes into... 
I think I mean that goes into the whole art debate that he has later on. Um, and, and that's why and, I'm and saying, and that's is... why I'm saying that because there is a return to this whole discussion of art, and that's why I'm more inclined to think that that's what he was trying to say here. You well, know, let's put that on the back burner because then we get into the third segment, which I think is is von Trier's statement on I think specifically America. Was that the woman or the the? Kids? It was the family. Yeah. Because this whole thing, he and this is when it really gets like pretentious and and annoying. Yeah. In that you know we go out to this range, and and it's also it's a, it's taking place in America. There's nothing like I mean other than American actors and they're speaking English. Uh, there's Mount St Helens in the background, so that's like a big tell, and and he could see it from like his his property where he's building his supposed house and and so i this is this whole time i'm thinking that the, here's a segment about violence in america and, and a fascination with serial killers and blah 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 some trite observation and i i don't know i didn't i was just like okay and then we get this whole uh piece about the hunt and how brutal it is and barbaric and ritualized and it and then it just turns into this this you know thing about him killing this family what, what did you have to think about this this third instance well i don't i don't think it had i didn't see the the parallels to like a co- or like a commentary on american society really at all but i did it was the way he was talking to these kids again it was just the most pretentious and roundabout way that I'm just like, people don't talk like this. So I think it, that's why I'm more inclined to think that this, that it's like this own warped, just like reality that Jack is experiencing where like people, if you don't talk to like a, uh, a nine year old kid in the way that he was talking to these people, um, you were even like, if, if this, if someone was talking to my kids like this, I would get the hell out of there, especially with like a gun. And, (laughs) um, yeah, I don't. The whole hunting scene—it—it it was just more. That was a that was a tangent that could have gotten cut off entirely because it had nothing to do with, I think, the ultimate theme of the story, and like of trophies and stuff. I will say at the end, once he killed the kids, which wasn't the, I think that was definitely something that was in the director's cut that they trimmed down significantly. I think they showed at least that kid's head getting like sh- getting shot in the head in the director's cut. It was. I feel like oh, that whole shot was too quick everything about that um also i think they probably there are probably definitely scenes leading up to how they got behind the tree because it's like a jump cut and then they're already like getting shot at i'm like i think there's something worse going on there that they cut um and if not that's a jarring cut that they should have written in that's kind of lazy um what is it also the kid got shot in the leg and died that was weird um, well, it it severed his leg. I mean, I think regardless of how they die is irrelevant. It's the fact yeah, that it's they more, die it's by more the of hand the, of him. Well, it's more of the trophy aspect. When there was that overhead shot where he killed the mom and the kids and arranged them as, like, the trophies in the hunt, huge groaner moment for me. I said, I literally said that was dumb out loud. And But that also ties into the fact of, again, of Lars von Trier talking about his films because he has... And um, I'm not actually I'm not going to spoil because that's actually a pretty key plot point for several of his films. So I'm not going to spoil that because it actually is a really awesome like scene that revolves around like children and stuff. But it's like like exploitive, you know, and he he is saying like, oh, well, I use kids. It is like it is cheap. But at the same time, whatever. I think that is another commentary on his past films as well. And- why he uses children. Yeah, and like we said, this was like this sec this segment got to me just because like you said the manipulation of like hurting children and also just mutilating a child. And so, yeah, that was yeah, I don't know. It comes and goes, but then this leads into um the fourth instance, which then leads into this I think this segment is like my least favorite from is that what the woman Not not the idea, just how it's executed from simple like the beginning of the fourth instance or incident to like the end of the icon speech so i think the icon speech that whole thing revolves around i think his understanding of the dogma movement and art 
Like, do you know what the Dogma 95 movement is? Yeah, well, from what I, I think I have a basic understanding in that it's essentially you limit yourself. Like, you put all these strict limitations on your filmmaking and and uh, you just, like, make a film with these limitations. It's essentially... And, it, and it's, like, flexing your creative muscles to, like, the absolute well, it's, it's It's flexing your creative muscles through mutilation. So you're essentially, like, destroying the traditional creative process because it's, like, you can't use... Um, music that's not being played live. You can't have any artificial lighting. They can't have any guns in it because you can't have any action in your films. Um, a, f- a, a frame can be no, or like a shot can be no longer than 12 frames, you know, no matter what. So the whole idea of the Dogma 95 movement is, is creation through destruction. And that was the whole idea when he's like destroying the houses, when he says like, well, can't you create art through destruction? I said, 95 movement right there. Um, and also, with the icons, there was something. There was a parallel I made with that, whereas like the sp- like the spoiled rotten or something, the good the spoiled noble rot, the noble rot. There's definitely something I think he's trying to get with that. With, I mean, there is, again, with, there is the film parallel, but also just commenting on humanity. But again, it's like two different things you're trying to talk about. You can't you can't have your cake and eat it too, you know. Well, when he started talking about his own work, I, I this whole this whole segment, it took him like four or five minutes in this roundabout way to get that the that and the the reinforce the brutality of man and that like the icons that we remember are those of brutality, depravity, and just awfulness. And again, this is him thumbing his nose because yeah. it was a lot of like genocide and like awful images, but the main ones were Nazis, Hitler, Third Reich, fascism. Stalin. Well, even like, like Stalin, shit and, that he... even Stalin and Mao though, and Mussolini. Well, yeah, I'm saying like there was other images, but specifically like you take away the Third Reich, Hitler, and the Nazis, and and and, and uh, you know the Holocaust. Which is obviously thumbing his nose at cans and everyone associated with it, but here I was, and then you get like the Stukas dive bombers, which I, I thought I was, was like, pretty interesting just in and of itself. It's it's a tangent that needs to be cut, but I found that pretty interesting just because well, I was like, but. oh my god! And even he writes the dialogue for Verge saying like, you're gonna like, are you interested in hearing about the Stukas? He's like, no, but you're gonna tell me anyway, and. I was like, so he knows what he's writing is pretentious and roundabout, but he just continues it anyway, and yeah. and then, uh, and then there's like the whole, uh, the tree and the concentration camp and how like the specific tree was where you know works of art were created, and then it's like this irony that there's like in this a mass this mass uh, this huge event of death. That this beautiful, tr- or this tree where beautiful works of art were created. And then he goes into, I think, the most eye-rolling moment of the whole entire film. Where he starts referencing his own films. And, Which I was and too art. caught up. I knew that, I knew the montage of his own films was coming. But I, I didn't understand what he was saying bef- like during that scene. Like, what was he saying during that scene that he referenced his own films? I think it was some, well again here's the problem with the dialogue and the way that these characters speak is because I am having difficulty following what they're saying because it's so roundabout and and I I'm it's something to do with art and how people depict art or they they, they depict this depravity or something like that and and then he just starts you know his ego comes in. He just starts saying, like, well, here's my... It's it's only, obviously, selected works, which I was reading reviews that people were saying, like, oh, this is Von Trier trying to come to terms with his own work. I'm like, yeah, but it's only a handful. It's It, be, it would well, it would make most more of sense them. if it was... If, what? It was most of them. It was it was uh, Europa. It was his first film. Not, not his first. I think it was his first or second film. It was... um What the hell was it called? The Elements of Crime was in there. I think... Breaking the Waves was in there. Um, Manderley, obviously Melancholia, Antichrist, and Nymphomaniac. That's seven films. Also, I think there there was when that woman was giving birth to like a man that I don't I've never seen that film, but I wanna say 
it was one of his like Danish short film. I don't know. I have no idea I what guess. that was. I don't know. But, well, I I don't know if all of them were in there. Like they're I not because Dancer in the Dark thankfully was not. Did not make the cut. Well, it's interesting because I I mean from I'm a casual Von Trier fan as I've been saying, but of those that I've seen, that is obvious. In my opinion, I would argue that's his that's his best film, and Which it didn't one? make the cut. Oh, Dancer in the Dark, yeah. And so I was thinking, like, well, I mean, I guess you could have like Bjork's character being at the at the very end. I don't want to ruin that movie in this in this one, but like the very end of the film. But I I don't know. I was just rolling my eyes and just like, okay, Von Trier, we get it, and and so I I was just, and this this was precisely the point that I think solidified my score of last week or of the last episode. And I was just like, God damn it, man. This fucking sucks. And then meanwhile, I have the hipsters in the back. Because I saw this in Center City, Philadelphia. In, um, they call, it's like the, it, it was at the... Is it the Roxy? No, 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 no. It was. It, it used to be like the Prince Music Theater. It's changed to something else, like the film, Philadelphia Film Society or something. Oh, and yeah. And it's in like, it's an upstairs, like they call it cabaret style. And so there's, like, bar tables and stuff. Or it's, like, um, little circle tables and, like, just padded chairs. And But all these hipsters behind me were like, oh, I know that movie. I know that image. I'm like, you're uh, fucking missing the point. That's so annoying. And, like, like when IFC came up in the beginning, they started cheering. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, oh my, like go back to whatever hole you came from. But they started like, I know that movie, I know that movie, and I was, they're like, yes, yes, and I'm like, you're missing the fucking point. Yeah. So that was, but this was like, this was eye rolling for me. While everyone else in the theater who understood the reference was applauding and cheering and stomping their feet, I was rolling my eyes so hard I thought they're gonna go back into my head. Yeah. So. Soon, I heard that he references on movies, and as soon as I heard that, I said, I thought to myself, no, no. Don't do that. Like, quit being so self-aggrandizing. But whatever. It is what it is. It didn't inhibit... I'm just like, well, that was a weird choice. But he is also Lars von Trier. So. And it would make sense if he's if this is all about like him trying to come to terms with his own creative process and like trying to understand like how his artwork I, yeah uh, I how think his how his films fit into like yeah. the grand idea of I think art. if it was that but singular it doesn't go theme, that way if it was that singular theme it, I think it would have been like pretty brilliant if it was executed but it didn't go right, that way but it wasn't so and it was executed very poorly in my opinion so again I think the idea of this film makes me want to come back and buy it on like DVD or Blu-ray and want to return to it. But then I actually see the film and I'm immediately just like, uh, okay. I'm going to buy it on DVD. I'm not sure yet. Probably not because of how I am talking about it right now. Yeah. Again, I think the idea of the film is intriguing and interesting and should have been a mini series or executed better and more yeah. streamlined. I mean, but I think before it sounds like we're kind of getting towards the end. I definitely want to talk about the last segment. Well, yeah, I was gonna transition to like that. where we. I was not expecting us to go to hell. So, well, oh, hang on. Let's talk about the fifth segment real quick, because this is when the eventual house that Jack builds is displayed. When I really like the image. So, or I think it's an intriguing way that the movie should have ended on, and and if and if and it makes sense with Von Trier. So this last segment, and we go into it with Verge saying, I, like, oh, you only kill women. And then Jack saying, no, not necessarily. I'm just showcasing them. And then, oh, you think you're better than them, blah, blah, blah. So then we have to have the obligatory, oh, I kill men too. <laughs> and But he doesn't kill them in as brutal ways as he does women, which I think is saying Well, they don't a lot. show it either. Well, I mean, he kills two people very quickly, and one of them is off-screen. and But he does it very quick and dirty, in that the first one, he just stabs, and he dies pretty quickly. But he, but again, it's, it's the whole, from the beginning to the end, he's able to smooth-talk this guy who doesn't trust him 
Like, this woman that completely trusts him and thinks that he's a coward to this guy that thinks he's going to kill him to put his gun down and then he gets the one-up on him to this cop and then kills him. And and again, he starts talking about the Gestapo and, all, and like, you know, referencing Nazis. But, uh, yeah, I... I guess I don't know. I don't know how to put this other than like it's it's just to say yeah I kill men too but not really, but uh but then let's the real part of this because it this kind of reminds me of something like the Coen Brothers would do, in that like I have to kill all these people with this specific bullet but it's the wrong bullet and I have to go through this mad dash to get it. It's like this idiosyncratic like thing that is kind of weird in this end of this movie, and. It's but just weird we... that he gets himself caught. That's the weirdest thing about it, you know. Like none of the none of it makes sense. Why he just kind of didn't turn off the sirens? Like he he's not asking to get caught, and it doesn't follow the flow of the movie that he's like has so much pain that he wants to get caught. He's literally about to kill them, and then it just like he's not demonstrating that pain and whatever that he's saying with the light post. You know, like he's not at that point where the pain is so over-consuming that he's going to, like, like with that girl with when he cut off her breasts and stuff, like, that, I feel like, I can't tell if he was at that point with her or if he was just faking it, but he's not there when he's about to kill these people with the bullet. And so I'm like, why did you leave the sirens on? Oh, because you need the cop to catch you or something for the movie to end, you know? Yeah, you need it to be, like, to push the plot forward. But this is the segment where, like, there's this big door, this red door, or it's it's a big big color in this film is red and he can't get this door open and immediately when we are introduced in the beginning of the film to this this ice box with um again with this is where i think that like we didn't touch on this but like it's the ice box with the pizzas that to me was like this is, has to be like a tarantino thing that this guy that lars von trier is trying to do he's like yeah. oh there's i bought these pizzas and they were all and i only had one and now i'm just stuck with them and i'm like okay but that's besides the point so but the point is that there's this red there's this big door with a red window and that he can never open and i'm like well something's behind there yeah i was like he's gonna open that at the end yeah like we're gonna go like jack is gonna go far down the rabbit hole when that door opens and so he pries it open and verges on the other side this voice that he's talking to and and immediately the hipsters were like what I'm what? like, Cause, because they're taking it literal. These people are viewing this film as a literal. Oh my god! That and is... I'm like, well, here's your problem because it's not like immediately I knew that the film wasn't literal. Like I said, well, at, the, well like, after, Wait, after this doing there? after this moment, yeah, like, oh yeah, some dude was just sitting in there waiting. Like, no, obviously this is we're we're in the trans, uh, what is it, Tr- a trans physical whatever. Uh, multi we're going into like another kind of plane of existence here and it's very obvious yeah and so he pries the door open and then you know they talk like Verge and him talk the cops are there and he's like oh well what about this house you were building and i'm like yeah what about this fucking house that is in the title that you're like trying to build throughout the whole film and then we get one of the best images is that jack builds a house of corpses Literally yeah. the house of a the house of a thousand corpses, and and I was like, wow, like that's a great image, especially if this is taking to the context of Von Trier's work. Like this is his legacy, is this house of corpses, or symbolizing his work. And I'm like, yes, this is the the film should have ended on this right here, and you're and I think you were even like, oh wow, it's saying like that's that's like that that works. And then I'm like, Brian, the movie's not over. Like, how much how much longer do we have? I'm like, we have 20 minutes left of this film. And you're like, what? So, before we get into the epilogue, what what are your closing thoughts on, I guess, the main story? The mo- the epilogue, I... Or, like, well, like chapter 5. In, no, I'm in, saying, like, I, I, I wish it just ended with him sitting in the house. I, yep. I wish they just cut the black or, like, or the cops came in or something and it was just, like... And then the song played. You know that would have been nice, but uh, the mo- I mean, it's not. It, I mean, I feel like the epilogue is still part of the story, so I can't really have like closing thoughts on the story I think, yet. I think the epilogue is solely to stroke Von Trier's ego. I think the ending is purely an ego trip. It's weird because like now we're getting into this like religious trip, and well, because it's, uh, and it's Will weird. was more. 
astute to this one because he i mean immediately i knew this was something like i'm like is this dante's inferno is it faust like i I, i've never read those literary works but i'm like kind of familiar with them like the general like the very bare bones skeleton of the stories and the symbols and the themes but will had read them i mean not like recently but he was more familiar with them so he gave us a little bit more of a uh, a better analogy and analysis of it but immediately i was like okay this we're we're transversing hell the moment he jumps into the hole i was like jack has died and is transversing hell or this is like the final level of hell and it's all and i mean i guess it's all there but and this is a segment that i really enjoy because there's very little talking and it's just purely visual and I said this with Will. I was getting a lot of like Winding Refn from this, um, and, like abstract, like just very abstract. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got, I, yeah, yeah. I got a lot of uh, Refn, but also uh, like Andre Tarkovsky, which is a huge influence on both Refn and especially Lars von Trier. So like films like Stalker, Solaris. Um, that's these are kind of like things like this is definitely what I know Lars von Trier for, but also what, what Tarkovsky was famous for as well. Like, these long, just, like, gradual shots of just, like, you don't really know what it's about, but it's just there, and then you, it's up to your interpretation and imagination to figure out what's going on, so, yeah. So, Brian, walk walk us through this final segment. Well, it's just a lot of slow-mo shots, like, you know, akin to kind of what you saw in Melancholia in the beginning. You know, just walking through the layers of hell, um... There was that weird bubble sequence that was really out of place with it, where I was like, "Oh, that's weird." Um, I got but, a lot. Of, I got like Twin Peaks vibes from that, but yeah, it, it, that just felt so like different than everything else. So, like, I, it felt like a Disney fairy tale scene, you know. But um, no, but there was just a lot of slow mo shots of just him descending further and further into hell until he gets to well, they pass the Elysian Fields. Um, and Jack sees like his happy, his heavy, his happiness is heaven, which I, I guess he the cr- fields because I immediately picked up on that too. But I thought the fields were like purgatory, and not heaven. Well, I'm not, I'm not that well read on you know Greek mythology. Well, either and way, stuff either. But either way, I think the point whether it represents right heaven wrong, that it's not hell, like it's like bliss. Yeah, and then serene. We, we can gather we, that from the images. And then and, like, I think the we sites. get to the deepest circle of hell, which is like the waterfall of lava and there's like the broken bridge and he's like, Oh, where does that lead? Like the other side. So it was like heaven or pretty much not hell. And yeah. And then Jack says, Oh, well I can climb over and get to heaven. And verb was like, okay, you can, but you like many have failed, but it's your choice. And then there's like this long, like five minute sequence of him trying to like climb on the other side. And I said to him, this isn't, suspenseful because i don't i want jack to fall because i want him to go to hell because he's an awful person i don't i don't feel bad for him i don't feel fear that he's gonna go to hell when he trips and then he eventually just falls and then goes I to hell i feel fear because of empathy but not for the character but it's just like wow that would suck to be in that position but it's not because i'm afraid jack's gonna fall it's like the music is very tense and i'm like wow that would suck but yeah, and then he it's just not falls. because I'm afraid of Jack to fall, and then he falls, but then but then it turns into a negative, which we which I I all, we didn't really touch on that idea because it's not really that important. Uh, which was the, another thing that could have been excised completely from this film. Well, I like the idea of the negative image that you know the dark light. That's very interesting. It should have been explored profoundly even more, but it's not. It's just kind of like. Here's a cool idea that I uh, a cool observation that I have and I'll just stick it in there. There's no like there's no there's no meaning to it. It's just like, oh, the dark light. Like, ooh, okay. The hipsters I in the back. I didn't I'm like sure. that. I'm sure the hipsters in the back row are like, "Oh, yeah, that's a that good That was point. so deep. Yeah, that was so smart." I'm like, no, Yeah, and so and then it cuts and then it like the image turns to you know, negative and and we get Hit the Road Jack as credit Which I role. like as an ending song, and I like, no, I do I too. like that. But... And then you were like, that's it? <laughs> yeah, I, I literally said that out loud. I said, that's the movie, that's how it ends. So what is the, So what does Jack going to hell represent? I don't know. Well, I... Okay. <laughs> so my representation, again, 
going with the idea that this is an autobiographical, you know, from Lars von Trier, is that he thinks that he's, like, in his own personal hell, and for the sake of his art, I guess. I'm glad it didn't end on, like, a Christ metaphor, because that would have been, as much, as indulgent as this movie was, that would have been way too much. Yeah. Um... Like if he if Jack fell like in slow mo with his arms outstretched and down into the hellfire, that would have ruined the entire movie for me if he ended. I would it have like been that. like, oh my god, he thinks he's God and the Savior at the same in the same film, like the balls on him. But it did. I mean, the fact that he's in a that he's saying he's in his own hell is pretentious enough. But I'm glad they didn't end on a Christ metaphor. But that was my interpretation of the ending. Oh, I, like, I didn't even okay. I didn't even really think of like that as an analogy for Lars. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. He's a really troubled individual who knows that who, who's admitted that he suffers chronically from depression and just being unhappy and suicidal thoughts and just drug abuse. So and that would know, make sense. And I don't but, know if this is him saying like I like him saying I recognize that I'm a bad person. But I, I don't think his ego would let him do that. So yeah, I don't I know. know. Maybe it's to both be like, "Yep, Jack is a bad person and went to hell," and that I'm in my own personal hell, and I and I express it through art, and okay, and that's the house that Jack built. That's <laughs> the first impression. Yep. And so I would Brian, like to, I would like to, I would like to return to this movie more in depth, but you keep going. Well, no, I mean, that's... I've seen it twice now. I don't really have any inclina- inclination to, or really strong urge to go back. I oh, mean, yeah, me neither. I have other more, than to see yeah. Matt Dillon's amazing performance, and yeah, that's pretty... Because that's, like, pretty much the saving grace of the movie for me is Matt Dillon, in that I think the idea of this... Like, I've been saying throughout... I feel like Lars von Trier and that he repeats everything like a thousand times in this film is that I think the idea is great and that but the execution is so poor and sloppy that it completely diminishes the idea for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you get you get to your review or like rating and then I'll get to mine. So, yeah, I'll get into my closing thoughts. Uh yeah, once again, it's better. It's a good. It's a great idea, but just was executed poorly. Matt Dillon is amazing. We didn't really talk too much about Matt Dillon, but I feel like that's kind of the one thing that a lot of people are coming out with this is that a the the movie is very like sadistic, violent, and it really emphasizes that like brutal nature and depravity. And Matt Dillon is utterly amazing, and he is. I. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was a saving grace of this film. I think there's very there's moments of brilliance in the film, but it's very few and far between. I just I, I it's not it's not even really enjoyable to watch because there's just so, like the story isn't really that intriguing. The writing like it's just so hard to follow because of this like dialogue and reliance on on uh, narration. So. Yeah, I I didn't like this movie. Uh, as a as a movie buff and a casual Lars von Trier film, the only person that I could recommend this film to is if you're a Lars von Trier completionist. I don't the casual moviegoer will not like this movie. I don't think movie buffs will like this movie. I think only Lars von Trier fans will like this movie. And yeah, so with that, I'm I'm my rating has not changed from three days later. I'm still going to stick with my 4.5 out of 10. It's still, I mean, I'm even actually feeling like I should change it to 4 out of 10. Actually, I'm going to do that. I'm changing it to 4 out of 10. So that's me, 4 out of 10. Okay. Well, I I personally liked the movie. Um, and all the criticisms are completely valid. I totally th- think that there are, this movie is so close to being so good. But then Von Schur just has to ruin it with his own, with his own, you know, baggage and bullshit. Um, so I guess that being said, I'd give this a six out of ten. Um, like I said, I last review I wanted to introduce the what I recommend this to my girlfriend 
<laughs> obviously not. Um, but also for this, just this one little review section, I want to put in what I recommend it to a Von Trier fan, and I would say yeah. And I kind of disagree with you when you say that I, a film buff shouldn't watch this. I think Lars Von Trier is such a prolific figure in cinema. He he started his own movement for God's sake. That I think he 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 adds so much to cinema and our understanding it and the way that we can interpret art, not through this movie, but through the dogma movement and even just appreciating his other films. I would think I would show this to a Lars von Trier fan and just say this: if you have a movie that can boil down the essence of a Lars von, like of Lars von Trier, I would show him uh, this film for his for appreciating his films, and then also like Melancholy and Antichrist. But I think this is this this is a movie that is is pretty interesting. So that I think I will definitely return to, and like I said, I'm going to buy on DVD. And I think eventually I will have us return to this film to give it a more in-depth analysis, much to your chagrin, but I mean, I'll, I'd come back to it, but I, I just want to say, so I'm a member of the da- of a Church of David Lynch. Are you a member of the Church of Lars von Trier? No, no, because I don't, I don't, I don't put Lars von Trier on the mantle that I do of, um, like, Tarantino or Paul Thomas Anderson or Sergio Leone. I am a member, I'm a fervent member of the Church of Sergio Leone, not Lars von Trier. But I'm kind of like a, um, what is it? Uh, I'm trying to make like a, a, an apt comparison where I follow it loosely where because it's interesting. I don't know. You're like an agnostic? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess I'm a, a Lars, Lars von Trier agnostic. agnostic. I'll go to the bar mitzvahs when I'm 13 and buy into it you know <laughs> all right i mean i was just curious because i mean we have we had very different like i didn't hate the movie but i certainly didn't like it and um which is I fair. also totally and re- fair in response to lars von trier as a casual fan um like you mentioned oh he he created his own uh film movement i mean that was how many years ago i mean directors have their dogma prime. 95 so 1995 i know but how many years ago? And I mean, a long age, time so. ago. But there are a lot, and, lot of people saying, like, who take the nine- have their prime, and well, and I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying that he's out of it, but I think. Oh he no, he's to... definitely out of his prime. But I still think he's a good. He's a really good filmmaker. Like objectively, I think he makes like good films. Frustrating films, yeah, absolutely. But I think they're good works of art. I mean, I guess we'll just agree to disagree. I mean, yeah, I'm that, very... and that's 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 the essence of Lars von Trier agree to disagree yeah and yeah and that's i don't think of you that's something important i don't think of you any less or any more like we can disagree like everyone it's on record we people can disagree and we finally disagreed on something and we finally gave a a lower rating for a movie finally i mean i've given lower uh well and that goes it's we we don't like watching films that we don't enjoy and 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 so and it's it's very much like a filmmaker, a Jim Hemphill, when you know he doesn't like criticizing movies because well he's made them, but you know he likes their his main source of enjoyment. Like like why does he want to you know trash things he enjoys? So you know I don't think and like I obviously didn't like this movie, but I wasn't. I mean I feel like I I, I put it through the ringer, but you know it's. It's it's that's it's, fair. I mean, that's it's not it's the worst totally thing fair. I ever gave. It deserves so. the criticism, so it's whatever. So, if anything, yep, that's that's my that's our review. I guess our our conversation about this. And if we'll if we return to this, then we can return. I I highly doubt my opinions will change, but I mean, fingers crossed they do. Uh, maybe hopefully by the next time I can be more exposed to his films and a more plethora of different variety of films. So hopefully something changes. So with that, guys, that concludes this episode of Amateur Auteurs. Once again, you can follow us on uh, Twitter, email us for any questions, leave a like and review on iTunes, and yeah, we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Amateur Auteurs. Cover design was created by Sarah Jacobs. You can find more of her work at our own site and Instagram, Digital Adventures. Opening and closing theme, Dreams, was created by Joachim Karid, which was found using a Creative Commons search. 
As a small plug, go check out both Joachim's and Sarah's work. They really deserve it. All content discussed and shown is the property of their respective owners and is used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We are working hard to bring you all new content and episodes. So thank you again, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.